Taking years to write a book is so last century. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill. I help aspiring authors move toward their dreams of career authordom by mastering their story, mastering their words, and mastering their marketing. If you're ready to put your head down and do the work necessary to eventually live off your fiction royalties, then tune in each week. I'll give you actionable tips and hacks, as well as inspiring interviews with writers who are already doing this. We are Prolific Authors. Hello, hello, Prolific Authors. I hope everyone is having a great week and a wonderful holiday season. I have a really, really great interview for you today with Sophie Shaw. Our entire conversation is about how to use stories to heal people. And I really, really love that. It's something that I'm really interested in. You guys know I'm like super into psychology and story psychology, but the bedrock of it kind of is that I do believe stories heal people. And that's pretty much what their function is in our lives. That's why we all love stories. That's why we want to write stories. And we may not think about it quite like that when we're diving into our writing, but we, you know, think about the reason you want to write stories. You want to entertain people. You want to give them some sort of emotional response. You want to inspire them. All of those things, motivation, inspiration, catharsis, those are all types of healing. But Sophie Shaw does that really tangibly and purposefully. She actually uses fables and children's stories to help heal anxious children, which I think is so beautiful. I absolutely love that idea. And so um, it's a really great interview. We're going to dive in in just a minute here. Before we do, I may not be around next week. If you're listening to this sometime in the future after 2020, it won't matter because you can just binge, but I, I may not get an episode up next week. I will probably be back the week after that, which is the week before New Year's. It's really not about me taking just a week off. I mean, there is that. It's the week of Christmas. But today is the last calm day I'm going to have for about 10 days. <laughs> just because of holiday stuff and Christmas stuff and family stuff and a million things to do and to bake and to wrap and all of that good stuff, I'm, I'm just not going to have a spare moment until basically the 24th. You know, it'll kind of be a relief when, uh, when Christmas Eve and Christmas Day finally get here. So I just may not put a podcast up next week, but I'll be back the week after that um, to do some kind of New Year's-y sort of podcast. So that is just to say, I hope that everybody has a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. And I will see you not next week, but the week after that. Remember to, to download the Ultimate Villainy Checklist to make sure that your villains are effective and unforgettable. And also the nine essential plot points to help you flesh out your story and get the pacing right. I will put links to both of those in the show notes. And if you haven't yet, make sure to join the free Facebook group called The Prolific Author. You can search that in Facebook and I will also put the link to that in the show notes. Also, you will find that this interview cuts off rather abruptly at the end. That is because for some reason, right in the last two or three minutes of the interview, we ended up having some technical difficulties. So I didn't quite get the final few minutes or the sign off from so Sophie. So I'm sorry about that, but um, yeah, I didn't want to just put dead air on the podcast. So it does cut off a little bit abruptly, but it was just the last minute or two that we missed. All right, so without further ado, let's hop into the interview. Hi, prolific authors, me again. All authors know the best investment they can make in their writing career, other than doing the actual writing, of course, is to build their author email list. Like many of you, I started small, using the cheapest, most common provider I could find. But things have changed in recent years. The go-to email providers authors used to use simply aren't supporting us as well as they used to. That's why I use ConvertKit. Its functionality is off the charts amazing. Deliverability is stellar. And in all the time I've used ConvertKit, I've never had problems with getting emails to my list exactly when I wanted to. ConvertKit allows you to put everything on autopilot so you can connect with your fans in the way you want to, but without sacrificing valuable writing time to do it. 
With a totally free plan to get you started and comparable pricing as your list increases, there's something for everyone. So invest in yourself now by going with an email provider that will grow with you. Visit bit.ly forward slash TPA email. TPA as in the prolific author. So once again, that's bit.ly forward slash TPA email. Because we are prolific authors and prolific authors have stellar email lists. All right, we are here today with Sophie Shaw. How are you today, Sophie? I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, let me just tell everybody, we were in a, a Facebook group together, and um, I saw a post that Sophie did about what she does, and I thought it was really, really fascinating because I'd never heard of that before. So why don't you explain to us who you are and um, what you do and, and how writing came into that? Well, um, I'm a hypnotherapist and a Reiki master teacher. And for those of you who don't know, Reiki is, well, when you explain it, it sounds completely mad, but it, <laughs> um, it's an energy healing therapy. And okay. combined with hypnotherapy and particularly with the focus that I have, um, it combines to make a very beautifully relaxing um, therapy that helps people to release anxiety, helps them to calm their fears and their nerves. And um, how that feeds into the book that I've written is that I, um, it's a children's book designed to help children learn to um, learn some me mindful meditation techniques so that they can manage their own anxiety, manage their own emotions, empower them to, to start to deal with their own anxieties. Okay. And heaven knows we have enough anxiety in our world that that's something that's needed today. <laughs> it, yeah, it is definitely the age of anxiety. There is an orm, enormous amount of global tension, of local tension, of division, and um, absolutely, uh, I, I think anxiety and mental health are really suffering for the last bit of time. Right. It's been high, highly tense for a while now. Yeah. So how exactly do you mentioned in your post fable and storytelling, how do those help um, calm people and, and channel their anxiety? Well, the wonderful thing about hypnotherapy and the wonderful thing about people is that we, um, we learn by listening to stories. Traditionally, that's how we have passed information to one another and down through the generations. When we listen to stories, we automatically identify with the subject in that story right. and so there's a wonderful way I mean you know most of us have heard of Aesop's fables mm -hmm. and may have you know been raised on those wonderful kind of timeless tales that pass on some sort of moral or some sort of um, affirmation or some kind of behavioral hint <laughs> and um, it's a way of teaching people without teaching them. I think if you were to, to sort of sit a child down in a classroom and say, today we're going to learn meditation, you'd find a lot of them kind of switching off. Mm -hmm. But if you just tell them a story about a creature or a, a, you know, a character that suffers with anxiety, that has the same kind of feelings that they might have felt, that has the same sort of symptoms of worry and tension, and that creature or that character learns how to release their own fears, learns how to manage their own anxieties, learns this simple technique of just sort of sitting, 
and being still and turning their focus into their imagination and somehow that that calms them just the just the act of listening to that is already calming and it kind of embeds itself in the subconscious of the children so that when they next feel anxious those ideas are already there waiting for them you know to meet them in that in that anxious moment and they might already have an idea about how they can calm themselves and all of that is just by sitting and listening to a story so they don't even realize that they're taking that information on right right I love the idea that um, storytelling can calm us and do you think there's something about it that makes them feel safe because it's a story rather than, than a reality and they can learn from it while also kind of distancing themselves from it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really true. And I, I also think that there's something about storytelling traditionally, um, it's something that we do when we're together and for most children as well, that's something that we do when we're in the care or in the close contact of a parent or a guardian or somebody that we really trust. So we have that close human contact. We have the shared experience of all listening to a story together. You know, before television, we would have all been gathered around the radio. Before the radio, we would have been gathered around the, camp the campfire to share these stories, to share these connected experiences. Mm -hmm. And there is something very transporting about that. In your imagination, you can take yourself, you know, to the moon. You can take yourself to any distant land, that anywhere right. that your imagination could conjure and, it, and, and still be in the safety of, you know, the arms of your mother or, <laughs> or of the, the, the embrace of the community. Right. Which I think, um, I think that being in that safe place too also like fosters imagination even more because if someone's in a place of fear they're, they're not going to let their imagination go but if being creative comes from a safe space they'll always want to create because they'll have positive feelings around it you know well i think i think partly that's true that, that when we're feeling positive we absolutely create all sorts of wonderful worlds and then they can be worlds that we can deliberately choose to revisit and certainly right. the hair in the story that, uh, that that i've written that's what he does he creates this beautiful image in his mind that he can revisit whenever he needs to whenever he's feeling anxious when we're feeling anxious, we also have incredibly creative imagination. <laughs> it just takes us to places that we don't want to go. So the hair and the story, you know, he imagines that he's seeing scary faces out in the darkness. And we've all done that. You know, when I was right. an anxious child myself, I would imagine monsters around the corner and, you know, terrible things, you know, that were lurking under the bed. Right. So it's, a, it's, it's more about training your imagination to go in the direction that you want it to rather than letting it run away with you and, and imagine all sorts of horrible things. Yeah. Take yeah. Control over your thoughts. That's a good point. Yeah. I really like that. And that would, and of course you can see how that would naturally decrease anxiety because yes. letting it run away from you, listening to the sound, go bump in the night. That's what creates so much anxiety in some of these kids. Yeah, and you know, grown-ups do this as well. I mean, the, the the idea for me writing this book was I just thought, you know, I'm teaching all of these techniques to adults because that's what I do. I teach them how to manage their thoughts and their feelings. But wouldn't it be great if we started learning this from a really young age, so mm -hmm. that by the time we're we're in our you know twenties and getting anxious about 
college and university in our 30s and we're worrying about finances and our career and whether or not our relationship is working and all of those other things that we imagine um, and things that we worry about and get anxious about. We learned already from a young age what to do when we're overwhelmed by anxiety. Then, you know, what a fantastic, well-adjusted generation we might be able to Right. Have. <laughs> would be fantastic. Yeah, it would. So um, answer me this then. I don't have children of my own, but I've taken care of children most of my life. And the thing that I always notice about parents is that a lot of times they get frustrated when they don't get an instant result. But mm -hmm. if you keep up with it, usually it will, like you said, it, it plants the idea in their mind. And so they don't understand that they are being successful, even if they don't get that instant result. So with this kind of therapy, do you find that it produces an instant result most of the time? Or is it more like something that happens over time as the child grows? Well, a little of, you, a little of both, actually. I mean, okay. I, I usually work with parents because I find that, as you've quite rightly observed that parents do have their own frustrations and usually those are born of anxiety too mm -hmm. um, I think you know a lot of a lot of parents a lot of mums suffer with anxiety because it's a very tense world and because we, there is so much pressure on mums to get everything right to make them eat organic and learn the right things and have the right morals and and eat everything that you're supposed to eat and play with your friend you know it's just a lot right um and so what the wonderful thing about reiki and hypnotherapy is that there is an immediate calming soothing effect and within one session you can create beautiful change in order for that to really be bedded in and really to um to to go deeper and to create lasting change it usually it usually takes more than that um more sessions than that so i like to work with people over between six and 12 sessions so that they can create first of all you know all of that tension and anxiety is just released for them naturally but they can create um tools and uh, methods for themselves that help to take them forward so that they can just feel peaceful in themselves. Um, and an anxious parent makes for an anxious child, so a calm parent right. makes a calmer child too. So. so you teach these techniques to the parent as well as the child, or do you teach the parent how to teach them to the child? How does that work? A little of both. Um, I find that there are a lot of resources um, for um for younger children about worries and anxieties my book is aimed at um the sort of nine to twelve year old age bracket where there isn't an enormous amount of support where there is an enormous amount of hormonal fluctuation so children are really going through it right. and the focus of the focus of my work is supporting mums through the guilt and the anxiety that they may be feeling in not knowing how to support their neurodiverse children or their sensitive children. So when they, you, I often find that when you start to work on yourself, it kind of spreads out to the rest of your family, not just the children, but to your partner and to the, you know, the, the, your colleagues. When we start to work on our stuff, it spreads uh, right. and goodness. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's about healing whatever is um, causing the and guilt, the shame, the anxiety in the parent, so that they can give the best of themselves to their family, to their children, to their loved ones, and then the children automatically feel better in themselves too. So this book actually was intended for the for the parent and child to share. Mm. Um, to either read together or listen to the audiobook. There's an audiobook as well. Um, listen to that together, to look at the pictures together, to go through the workbook together. Um, the child can do it but for the, by themselves. They can do it with the parent. I've had a lot of feedback that, that, um, that adults have found the book incredibly calming as well as children. So it's, it's, it's meant for people of all ages, really. Yeah. So I'm assuming you've had a lot of success since you've kept doing it and are, are helping your, your clients a lot. So where do you, do you ever have anybody that it hasn't helped as much as you would like or that you can see that there's something else going on? You know, I'm just curious about if, if there's even been any failures or, and what that might look like. Yeah, I mean, there's no one thing that is going to help all people. Right. And um, I have found on rare occasions that there are people who have come to me who are so anxious, so absolutely crippled by anxiety that they're not able even to close their eyes in my presence and, um, and let go at all because it's too wow. frightening. And that's terribly sad because I know that if they were able to just trust me to go with me for a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I know how much better that they would feel. I know how much more at peace they would feel. So that, yeah. that does happen very rarely. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, it's such an easy process and such a welcome space for, for mums to kind of unburden their soul and let go of the things that they've been carrying maybe for years. Um, that it can produce incredibly powerful release, powerful transformational healing. Yeah. Um, that's what I find more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, um, I mean, the people that, you know, you can't help, they probably have a lot more going on, but it sounds like most of your clients are just everyday people who are working and, and raising their kids and just get anxiety, like we said, from the world around them. I, I, I mean, I work with people who just want to come and, and feel relaxation. I work with people who are, I work a lot with people who are overwhelmed with anxiety and I work with people who've suffered trauma in their past. Mm. I'm sorry to say, you know, things like abuse or, um, you know, terrible bullying or that they've, they've been through all sorts of awful things. Um, and it, you know, it can work beautifully at both ends of that spectrum but in order for it to work the person coming to see me has to be ready right to be ready to to let go yeah um, and that's not a simple thing so some people are 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 too afraid some people are they identify too much what you know it makes up so much of their identity that you know take their pain away and who would they be without it so mm -hmm. it, you know it's layers and layers Right. Um, once you can get past that, then it can be absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I really love talking about this stuff because I, I'm really into story psychology and, and why people connect in certain ways with stories and that sort of thing. Um, but let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the writing of your book. How did you how did you come to actually putting this book together? 
Well, I, um, a couple of years ago, was in a very small um, kind of strategic business support group. And I one day just, it sounds mad, but the idea just kind of came into my head. The title came and what the book was for. Um, and I typed into this group, I don't know what this is, but there's a book, The Hair and the Moon, and it's about helping children um, heal their anxiety. I don't know what the story is. I don't know anything about it, but I'm writing it. I want you to nag me in a year if I haven't written this book, which they agreed to do. And then um, I joined uh, the wonderful Leonie Dawson. She's an, uh, an Australian entrepreneur. Um, she's a multimillionaire writer, creator, artist, business mentor, hippie, brilliant, weird woman. And she had this wonderful course um, teaching her students about how to write a book everything that was involved in writing the book. So we got accountability, daily accountability to come on, just keep writing, keep writing. And then all of the kind of technical aspects of whether to go the published route or to the self-published route and all of that. So I, I sat down and I wrote and I already had a rough draft by that time, the hair in the moon that I liked. And I re redid that and I polished that up and then all of these other stories came out at the same time so uh, once the hair and the moon is fully launched I've got seven other stories um, yeah. in the same sort of style that I'm going to be writing and illustrating and narrating and releasing um, throughout. So you'll just basically have like a whole series of these books that That's will help the idea. Yeah. yeah, that's the idea so that you you have a world that you can dip into. Some of them are going to be about anxiety. Some of them are going to be about bullying. Some of them will be about finding your voice and learning how to, you know, fully flourish and thrive. Mm -hmm. um, and they will all be focused on the well-being of children and empowering them to to find their own path to well-being. So when you when you wrote the actual stories, do you or, or when you were writing them, did you follow any particular um, templates or or beats that had to do with story or that had to do with psychology or how did you how did you craft them? Well, I'll be honest, I'm I'm pretty hopeless at all of that kind of <laughs> planning and organizational stuff. So my goal was that I was either going to write for an hour a day. So I'm a single parent I, and I work. I don't have oodles of time. Mm -hmm. um, so I was either going to write for an hour a day or um, to write uh, 500 words a day, which isn't very much. And I wrote in a way that you're not supposed to write, which is that I kept correcting myself as I was going. <laughs> you're meant, I think, to just let it pour out of you and then go back and edit it. And I didn't do that. Well, it, it really depends on your craft. I think it's funny that you say that. That that is something that's that's advice that's given to new writers to just uh -huh. do the the sloppy draft first before editing. But that's mostly because if they don't, they'll stop and they'll yes. try to be too perfectionistic. So I think it it really doesn't matter as long as you were moving forward. If you were doing those five hundred words or an hour a day, then you just whatever works for you. You know, you got it done. That's really what matters. Yeah, and um, there were some days where I did feel very blocked. And so on those days, I did um, uh, something from uh, Julia Cameron's wonderful book, The Artist's Way. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a fantastic, I've heard of it, yeah. 
it's a well it's a fantastic book about just letting your creative juices flow and the method that she uh uses is morning pages where you get up in the morning and you just brain dump onto the page three sides of a4 no matter what it doesn't matter you're never going to read it again you're never going to whatever you know just bleh, 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 onto the page mm -hmm. and so the days where i felt really blocked i just thought okay I'm not going to write the story today. I'm not going to write any story today. I'm just going to write. And that was fantastic for getting me unstuck and for getting the flow. And there would be germ germs of story in there. They would go, okay, actually, I'm going to take that out and I'm going to craft it properly. Right. So that was a really great way of, of keeping things flowing. So is this, how long is it? Is it more like a, a young, or a, you said that's for 12 year olds. So is it more like a, a chapter book for grade school age children well i have i because i'm an inexperienced writer i know that i have pitched it in a slightly awkward way so i've written the the, the hair and the moon is now let's see if i can remember because they're all slightly different lengths it's about three or four thousand words okay. so there are there are seven chapters and i've put illustrations in there because I, again, I was raised on these beautiful illustrated books when I was a kid. So we had Wind in the Willows and we had, um, you know, Aesop's Fables and these absolutely beautiful books that had stunning illustrations in them that were works of art in themselves. Mm -hmm. So they weren't like picture books. Okay. Um, not that kind of thing, but they were, they were stories. They were long stories with these beautiful illustrations. Very old-fashioned way of putting a book together and I just really love that style I really like that that um, model yeah so yeah there are um, the hair and the moon I think it's about three or four thousand words there are seven chapters there are about 21 paintings in there um, that I've done to illustrate the book and there's also um, some coloring pages in the back and then from a hypnotherapeutic point of view, there's a, a workbook in the back as well that just is some gentle self-questioning and some kind of journaling for the for the children to do about what makes them happy, what makes them anxious, um, invitations to draw uh, about what makes them feel tense, and then some games that you can play uh, either on your own or with a parent to help you to you know just some other kind of mental tricks that you can do to feel better um, right and do to feel calmer nice and i think it's yeah. cool that you did the illustrations yourself so that means you're an artist as well a visual no, artist i, I mean <laughs> yeah i guess so i'm i'm uh, yeah i'm <laughs> still sort of uh shy about that but yes I, I did do i did do the illustrations myself I've, I've never done professional illustration before, but I was always artistic and it was just another mode of expression, another right. mode of releasing what it was I wanted to say. Um, and I'm really, really pleased with the way that they turned out and the way that they, they came together with the story. And because I'm a hypnotherapist and I used to be an actor as well, I knew that I had to do the narration on the um, audio book as well. So that's me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for um, you. Yeah, well, it, I just, I, I'm also a bit of a control freak, so I just wanted to do it all myself. No, I think that's um, great. I can't, I can't draw worth anything. My stick figures aren't even legible, so <laughs> I think it's great yeah. that you know how to do that.
well it's it was a, a real pleasure to do it it, um, it fit organically with with the whole process of creating the book and how did you being the first time you've you've really written a book how did you enjoy the writing did that help you get rid of your anxiety or did it, you know the, the expression of it like how did you feel about that that there's something about creative expression uh, and the focus of that um that is incredibly uh cathartic and there's mm -hmm. something really wonderful i don't know if you've experienced this i'm sure you have where things just seem to come through like the idea or the story just seem to come through you without you having to kind of think what would make a good idea for a book it, right, it just yeah. sort of yeah it just sort of arrives and then you look back at what you've written and all the thousands of words you've written and you think god where did that come from Mm -hmm. that came through me and that's that's that feels fantastic when it really right. works and it really flows and it just sort of arrives without your having to do very much that's yeah. a wonderful feeling definitely very calming um and when it arrived in book form actually landed through my letterbox and it was you know the pictures were there looking beautiful and the pictures were lovely and the printing was good and that all felt fantastic because then you've got something that you can send out into the world to do some good, to help some people, to, to create some happiness. And that's, that's a wonderful feeling. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I agree. I really like the way you um, described that. It reminds me of early American authors. I've studied like Ralph Waldo Emerson, you know, that era, they used to call it um, the divine, Oh, something or other. I'm not going to remember now. The divine, it wasn't spirit, the divine kind of like muse, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what they were talking about. Like they just felt like something else was inspiring them because when they got in the zone and were super focused, it was like you look for um, an answer to, you're not even, maybe you don't even know what the question is. You're just looking for something in the story and then it just comes, you know, it's just the, yeah. like the divine inspiration. That's the way they yeah. used to describe it, you know? Yeah. So. Beautiful. And it's so lovely if you if you manage to kind of tune into that and be open to that. It doesn't always happen, you know. I, right. would, I would sit down sometimes and write absolute nonsense and just go, yeah. right, okay, well, that was that day. Um, you come back to it with fresh eyes and you edit it and something else comes through because you've been inspired by the nonsense that you wrote the day before. Yeah, the nonsense is definitely part of the process. You kind of got to go through that in order to get the good bits that will end up being, I mean, everyone just reads your book, your finished project or your finished product and thinks you're this genius. And I mean, to some extent, but you know, you, they don't see all the nonsense that went in along the way too. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they <laughs> don't see all the rubbish first draft, the, right. the, the spelling mistakes and the, you know, the correcting of all the capital letters and all of that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the paintings were exactly the same as well. Some of them just came out. I was doing as a kind of practice sketch. And when I was finished, I just thought, oh, I love that. And yeah. then there was somewhere I had a really clear idea of the picture I wanted to do. And I had to keep doing it over and over and over because it would just come out and just not look anything like the picture in my head. Right. So, and that's actually yeah. kind of like um, me and I've got a, a critique group that I've been with for years. And we've kind of discussed that a few times whenever you write something and you think it's just a mess, you know, and you're going, okay, go ahead and, and critique the, you know, the daylight out of this because it's just really, really messy and all of that. Um, they said, for some reason, the group always tends to love it when we put out chapters like that, that are just really kind of off the cuff. But then when you have something you're really excited for them to read, they're always kind of like, eh, it was okay. 
so yeah, funny. <laughs> it's a really interesting trick, isn't it? Just to yeah. try to get out of our own way and let whatever wants to come through, come through. Right. Um, sometimes you can manage it and sometimes definitely not. <laughs> yeah. For telling us all about what you do. I mean, I, I just, I love the idea of stories of any kind being healing because I, I think they really are. I think, you know, everything you described in the beginning, we, we kind of live vicariously through those stories. And so they can get us really into touch with our emotions. And whether those emotions are positive or negative or whatever they may be, I think that that really heals a lot of people daily in ways they don't even understand. They watch a story, they feel better, and that's all they really think about, you know? So yeah. I, I love that you're purposefully using stories to heal people, to heal children, to heal parents. I, I think that's really, really lovely. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it feels pretty good to do it. Good. Well, there you have it. Wasn't Sophie a fascinating person to talk to? Make sure and go check out her book at the links in the show notes. I have also linked to the one she mentioned, The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron. Do me a favor. And if any of what she said resonated with you today, hit me up in your Instagram stories and tell me what your biggest takeaways were. Tag me at the prolific author. All right. Once again, I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. And I will see you in about a week. Bye for now. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.